Good morning, good morning. I am Todd Brinker. This is Back from the Brink. Erin will be joining us shortly, or whatever height she is. I know, yuck, yuck, yuck. Um, So, as we went uh, to the break from our radio show, we were talking about what is and isn't um, kosher and halal. And, you know, it actually surprised me. It surprised her that that's not something that I've really investigated, because I'm one of those people who who, uh, has... uh, a uh, rampant curiosity. I, I tend to be just curious about things around me and around the world, and I also tend to research. So I'm one of those people who uh, is pretty good at trivia because I've read a whole bunch, uh, uh, a little bit about a whole bunch of stuff uh, because I'm curious. And so I dig into some things, obviously, that I'm more interested in. But uh, I have a tendency to kind of just, um, you know, dig around and learn about things. And uh, it's not something that I've really looked into. I mean, I kind of know, you know, that that uh, for something to be kosher, it has to have, you know, or, or not have actually exclude specific ingredients and that it needs to be observed by um, a, a, a rabbi trained to do that so that they can verify that it's being processed correctly um, uh, to certain cleanliness standards and, uh, uh, you know, and and we were specifically talking about hot dogs and, you know, buying a kosher hot dog, you know, that you're getting uh, a beef hot dog that was processed in a, in a clean plant. Um, and, and, you know, those kinds of standards are now national standards, not religious standards in some cases. Now they don't necessarily overlap each other, but I think most of us trust that our packaged foods uh, are made in plants that are, that adhere to certain cleanliness standards and things like that so that we don't all become sick all over the place. And so there's a reason for those kinds of rules. Um, And it's something that um, people of the Jewish religion have been doing for a long period of time, not only for the the health reasons, but because of their faith. And so um, there are some real positive benefits of that um, health-wise, though. So uh, anyway, you know, it's not something I had researched very much other than, yeah, uh, I like a good hot dog. I like a, a, a Nathan's hot dog. I, I like a Hebrew national hot dog. Um, and Boar's Head. Um, I was visiting somebody oh, uh, a while back um, in the pre-COVID days when that one could do that and had a Boar's Head hot dog. Um, and, you know, Boar's Head makes a lot of different types of deli meats and stuff. And one of the things they make is a really good all-beef hot dog. Um, but it's, for me, uh, not being... Uh, a, a Jewish that maintains a kosher diet, I don't check to see if everything I was eating was kosher. So it's just not something that had crossed my mind all that much. Um, but anyhow, uh, we'll, we'll move on. I'm doing a lot of uh, today. I uh, don't know why. I apologize. So the, the, the Marlins have been basically in a 60 game season they're now sitting out for a couple of weeks because half their team has been tested positive for covid so uh, baseball is now starting to see the effects of not really having any uh, restraints or conditions on their players and their associated uh, team support people in terms of limiting their travel or their um their access to other people who might get them infected. And, 
the payoff is they've got a bunch of people infected. So, um, you know, I don't know. I think baseball as a sport being played to the end of a 60-game season even is perhaps in jeopardy. We will see how that all plays out and what happens there. Um, it's too bad for baseball fans because I think I just think MLB did not do a particularly good job of thinking through how they're going to do that. You know, and I know a lot of people were saying, well, the NBA, how on earth are they going to... Oops, Aaron's here. Let's have her join us. Hey there. Hi. So I was uh, kind of talking about the the failings of the Major League Baseball's plan to get going again, and I kind of have some doubts about whether they're even going to get through a 60-game season because they didn't have any plans in place for isolation of players or support personnel and you know whereas the NBA caught a lot of flack because people were saying oh there's no way that you're going to get all these young guys to to basically hunker down and and not go anywhere they're all just going to stay inside this bubble and and entertain themselves and uh, you know I thought that's ridiculous you know they're they're paid paid very well to do a job they can hunker down and stay inside a bubble and and if they need to, you know, um, exactly. We have young people who who hunker down and stay inside of uh, and, and do their job away from their family. You know, in the military, young men and women do it all the time. There's no reason yes, on do. earth that uh, a, a few athletes couldn't do the same thing. You know, and and we're not talking undisciplined people. These are people who are very disciplined. They watch what they eat. They they get up and exercise in very specific ways because they're professional athletes and. Uh, and that's what it takes to be successful these days. So I think, you know, the NBA is, <clears throat> I mean, it remains to be seen. They haven't even started. They start tomorrow. Um, there was one guy who went to a strip club and he's been bounced. And I don't, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't remember who that is, a player, an NBA yeah. player. Yeah, yeah, he snuck out, basically left the bubble. Well, and the rule is, is that, you know, you have to come back. They put you in isolation and you're tested basically like every day or twice a day. Uh, for uh, 14 days before they let you rejoin your team. And yes. so, um, and and the team has the option of saying, no, thank you. They can say, you know, yeah. you, you broke the rules, you didn't behave properly, and so we'll just, you know, you don't get to come back with us right now, which also means that you don't get paid. Because yes. people don't realize these... It's worth it there, idiot. Yeah. Well, people don't realize, too, a lot of these athletes, virtually all of these athletes, their, their contract is like for... X millions of dollars. But what it really says is we'll pay you, you know, we're, we have 16 games in our football season. We'll pay you one sixteenth of that for each game you play. Right. You miss a game, you don't get paid. Now, if the coach doesn't play you, you still get paid because you were there and ready. But if you miss yes. a game because you weren't ready, then then we don't pay you, you know. Or if you get injured, you get a certain percentage of that pay, but you don't get the full pay. You know, because injury is not something that, you know, you have control over. So there's a little bit of a of a halfway there. But that's how they're paid. And so, you know, if, if you do something stupid and leave the bubble to go to a strip club, uh, yeah, you don't get paid. Yep. Idiot. Yeah. <laughs> and, and nobody was, you know, it doesn't surprise me that somebody broke the bubble and somebody did that. But it, but it did exactly what it was supposed to. They caught him coming back in and said, no, you don't get to come back in. Uh, without going through all of this and and his team and I, and I don't remember the name of the guy either but um, you know his team can make the decision that you know what um, we don't trust you and we don't want you getting the rest of your team sick so we'll just uh, 
we'll just go forward without you. And as I recall, his team was one that there's, you know, eight games that they're playing eight games in the remaining season before they go on. And his team had to win four and have other teams lose in order to make up a four game deficit. So mathematically, they had a chance um, to make it. But realistically, they probably didn't. And so I think they just told him stay home. Yeah. Isn't that sad? Control yourself, dude. Yeah. So, um, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna say something that I know is probably ignorant, but I'm gonna say it anyway. Baseball, you know, I understand that they're in close quarters in the dugout and in the locker room, but on the field they're not. I mean, you know, you're basically standing in your position, six feet away from somebody else. (laughs) You know, unless you're at the unless you're the um, catcher. Yeah, well over six feet, right? Yeah, the so, catcher, catcher, the home plate umpire, and the batter are the only ones who are, like, arm's length away from each other. Yeah, so I don't know why they can't still play. Yeah. You mean even if, they're, even if they've tested positive? Yeah. Well, because they have to get on a plane or, and or a bus to get back home when they go from place to place. Because unlike the NBA, they didn't say, oh, we're going to bring everybody into one spot and play our oh, games. that's true. Okay, so that's there's, true. So they've got to do travel, and, and so they might get everybody else, you know, unless they've got planes equipped with, you know, isolation at one end and the other. And I think most planes have, you know, especially if they're pressurized cabins, have a single circulation system. So one person in that plane could get everybody sick. Right, right, right. Okay, well, that, that makes sense. That makes sense because I'm like, you know, it's not like you're standing right next to somebody. I mean, even if, I mean, I suppose if you're, if you're on, um, if you're guarding one of the bases, but even they don't generally stand right on the base unless the ball's in the air. Right. Yeah. It, it just does, you know, it, it makes sense looking at it and that they should be able to do that, but they've got to deal with the travel and stuff. And so, you know, I understand that because you're moving a team of people, unlike golf, where you're pretty much, you know, don't have to be next to anybody and, it's you and your caddy, and you two can take different cars. And you know, I mean, you can travel around and not get, ever get within six feet of somebody and play uh, uh, golf, and, right. and and travel to and from the events and never get next to somebody. So, uh, tennis—you're not yeah. somebody with tennis, right? And so, you know, those kind of sports, the the individual sports, I think make a lot of sense. And personally, I'm very biased, but I think that swimming, uh, you know. I think that youth sports, I understand that, you know, maybe soccer where kids are all bumping up against each other and stuff, they shouldn't. Uh, and I say, when I'm, I'm talking about the little kids that move around in clusters chasing the ball. When they get older, they're <laughs> playing positions, you know, and they actually aren't that close to each other than other than the person who actually has the ball usually has a defender or two on them. But, um, but you know, in swimming, most swimming pools, at least at this end of the country, are outdoor pools. Granted, there are some indoor pools, but outdoor pools. So sunlight, bad for COVID, uh, for for SARS viruses, coronaviruses to uh, to exist and 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 get to you. And then chlorine. That's what we use to kill them. You know, yes. people use Clorox bleach as one of the things that they're using to wipe down kitchens and stuff to to kill the virus. Seems to me like that's probably one of the best environments that you could put yourself into to make sure that you don't get COVID. Um, I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know why swim teams are not uh, uh, rocking and rolling, and it drives me nuts that they're not. And it, you know, I've got team members and parents reaching out to me, going, you know, when's it going to get us? You know, and all I can do is point them to the school district that owns the pool we use and say, talk to them. Till till we get a pool, we can't do anything. 
Well, you could be running with the kids and that kind of stuff in the, you know, 800 degree weather. Yeah, I don't run. <laughs> and they've chosen swimming because they don't run either. That's right. <laughs> they are my people and we don't run. <laughs> you know, we run from the locker room to the pool on a cold day. That's it. <laughs> and it's kind of a tippy-toed, ridiculous-looking floppy thing as we kind of bounce around because we just don't run. Yeah. Yeah, we look as silly as you can imagine you, we would because, yeah, the, the swimmers don't really do that. Not unless they have to. Not unless they have to. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had a, a coach one time take a team, and we all picked up a 25-yard lane line, and everybody was spaced about six, six or eight feet apart, and we had to run in line, everybody holding the lane line. As a team, it was a team building exercise. I wow. hated. I hated that coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least for at least for that day. So like, you've got to be kidding me. Are there any? You know that the problem is is that you can't go to any pool. It has to be at least twenty five yards, right? Yeah, so, I can't. A backyard pool is not going to cut it. No. Because you'll do a flip turn, then a flip turn, then a flip turn, then a flip turn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I, uh, you know, I keep my dues affordable, so it's not like I can afford to go out and buy a $2 million facility so that I can, you know, run my own facility. And even then, I would have to, you know, like gyms, be fighting the state to say, wait a minute, uh, I want to be open. And they're going, no, 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 you must be closed. And I'm like, oh, yeah. You know, you let people eat outdoors. You know, that that's part of the issue that, that gets me with this whole, like, what's open and what's closed is the, the, the that cutting that, drawing that line. You know, I think we were talking about the other day. It's like, you know, if you're a restaurant, you can be open with a patio. But if you're a bar, you cannot be open with a patio because you don't really serve a menu of food. It's just a bar. Right. Well, well or if you do have a menu, food, menu of food, it's nachos and uh, French fries and, you know, uh, chicken wings. Apparently, right. that's not a meal. Yeah, and who's to say that's not a meal? As you said, you know, I mean, I, you, uh, I have had, I've gone to Wingstop. There's places that are that exist solely to sell wings. You, you yes. can't tell me people don't turn, you know, wings and some fries into a meal on occasion. And so uh, I think it's just it's such a it's weird just... place to draw a line. And why are we letting, you know, government make those decisions? That that seems yep. like, you know, and 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 on top of that, even if you serve nothing but you know, beer or alcohol. If you're a bar and that's what you serve is bar, your drinks, why is that any less safe for me to sit and drink something on a patio than it is for me to sit and eat a meal? It's not. And it's in fact, not. if anything, if, if, if some COVID virus fell into my drink and I drank it, my guess is the alcohol would take care of it. Probably much better than, than the, uh, than the uh, hamburger that I would be picking up at a restaurant. Yeah, it's it's all stupid. It's all stupid. And I keep seeing um, people, you know, railing about, well, you know, this church, they had a thing and they were all in the parking lot. And, you know, don't those Christians care about anybody? And it's like, oh, my God, if you can stand in line at Costco, why can't I be standing around in my parking lot at my church? Right. Yeah. And, and trust me, they are standing in line at Costco and Home Depot and, and Lowe's. Those places are packed. Um I've had to go get a few things to fix a few things around the house. And every time I go, I loathe. I buy it online and have them bring it out to my car if I can. I, I, in fact, I, I started to go into a Home Depot once and got in the doorway, looked around at the masses of people there, and went, I'm leaving. 
and 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 now the our you know and that it varies by where you happen to be but in our in my case in in the corona area the lows was much less busy there were people there but they were managing their lines better and and so i i went into lows and got a couple things so i could repair something uh, you know it's and, and people going like well why are you even doing that well you know what when your toilet overflows or whatever you know it's like you know you got water leaking in your house you got to fix it um, and it's either call a stranger to come fix it for you, you know, call a plumber or call an electrician or whatever, or you go to Home Depot or Lowe's and you get the parts and you take care of it, right? Um, yeah. You know, I guess I could order it from Amazon and pretend like there's not water on my floor for three days while it shows up. I'm sorry, two-day delivery. I have Prime. <laughs> um, but let's let's be real. I mean, you know, you got life doesn't just stop. And and like you said, what's the difference between doing that and and you know going to my church where they've blocked off every other you know pew or row of chairs or uh or, yes. or doing a service out in a parking lot under easy ups or uh you know or the drive-ins you know some drive-ins have had uh churches doing service there uh and they've had drive-in um uh concerts for musicians who are not making any money right now because they make their money touring um you know and and let me tell you, the, the mortgage payment on your $25 million, 30,000-square-foot house is pretty high. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel so yeah. bad for them. Yeah, I just, it, <clears throat> it drives me crazy because, uh, you know, they people decide, you know, arbitrarily what they think is important and then expect you to live by what they think is important. Right. And, and, and that's, that's not okay. That's yeah. not a free country. Yeah, politicians parsing what is and isn't acceptable. Um, and, yeah, exactly. It's just it's not okay for them to do that. They, they, they should set standards for a business to be open. And what, regardless of what that business is, if it's a legal business, then that business should be able to, to make its choice as to whether or not it's going to open based on what those standards are. They shouldn't be saying businesses of this type may open, but businesses of this type may not be open. They shouldn't be in that business. That's not no. the government's business. No, it's not. I actually saw um, a post on uh, in this Facebook group that I'm in about um, how it's a failure of government that the that child care for people who have to work during this COVID shutdown that child care isn't covered. Like they haven't they haven't figured out the government has not provided child care to people during this time. And I'm like, why is that the government's fault or government's responsibility to cover the cost of watching your kids? Yeah. It's not. It's 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 really not. You talk to your employer about them having having a stipend or you talk to somebody. I mean, it's not the government's responsibility to take care of your children. Yeah. I mean, if if they if they, um, you know, if if you your business wants you to come back to work, then they have to solve the problems. Right. You know, if they want Not you the back government. in your office, I know that um, that you know schools. Most of the schools in, in California are going to be still opening up online in the next week to two, two or three weeks, and they're going to be opening up online. And there have been some districts who have told their teachers, "We would like you to come into the classrooms to teach here." So you're still doing remote learning, but you're on site, and that way you can have you know, correctly distance meetings with people, but we can have a little bit of a sense of community amongst teachers. And that way you'll also have some support staff around and, and, and reachable in order to help you deal with online teaching because that's not how you normally do it. Right. And although we did it going into the fall, that was, you know, slap 
together as quickly as we could to have something going. And so now that we've had a summer to think about it, here's how we're going to approach this a little bit differently. And most schools have been very conscious of that, even though the, the, the teachers have been off. Uh, a lot of them have been still kind of doing work to figure that out. And a lot of administrators have been doing that so that they get ready going into the fall here. And uh, several school districts in doing that have said, and if you have kids, you may bring them with you to sit in your classroom because right. we understand that your kids are also working from now, home. So what are uh, you going to do? Exactly. Well, Rialto Unified has said that the kids are not allowed, allowed to come in. Are not yeah. allowed. For whatever reason, they've said no. Redlands, on the other hand, is, is saying bring your kids. Feel, feel free to bring your kids. I, I have to say for Rialto, to me – that would be an easy, inexpensive way to make, to, to give a real um, uh, boost for teachers to say, be able to bring your kid, especially if there was some sort of on-campus um, childcare available for the kids. Uh, uh -huh. You know, that, that to me, they have the space already. Um, they have certificated staff who would be able to watch the kids. Um, and so I, I, um, I, I don't understand why they didn't, that wasn't part of an the, the package that, te that teachers got in the time of COVID. Um, that was yeah. an easy peasy thing. But I also don't think it's it's the state government's responsibility to pick up the tab necessarily uh, for, you know, to, to create uh, pay for child care during the time of COVID. Generally, oh. it's not their responsibility. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I don't think the government should be paying for the child care, but there's no reason that the employer shouldn't be able to yes. say, you know, here, we're going to make some, we, we need you to come into the office, maybe not every day, but a couple times a week. And we understand that your kids are supposed to be going to school from home. If you're here, you can't, you know, I mean, I, you can leave a high school age kid at home. They may or may not actually do anything, but you can leave them there. But, you know, you can't leave a first grader sitting at home. Um, no. And in fact, when they're online with their teacher, you probably have to be online with them to, you know, help them understand what they're supposed to be doing and and downloading their packet of things to do so that you can, you know, keep them busy and set them on their tasks. Uh, you know, it's much more it's much more parent parental integrated uh, education at this point, especially for the younger kids, by just virtue of the fact that you're the only adult that's there with your kid. So what if what if one of the outcomes of this time of COVID is that people realize that they can survive with one income, and one parent, whether it's father or mother, is up to the family, um, decides to stay home with their kids, you know, mm -hmm. uh, moving forward. So you know, um, they realize that that they can live more cheaply than they thought, and um, you know, have a quality of life, and and one of the one of the parents decides to stay home. I actually think that that would be a really good thing. Yeah, I I th I think uh, yeah I don't disagree with you, and I think that that there's a lot of people who are finding out that out of necessity that they they can they can live more cheaply than they thought. That a lot of the things that they thought they had to have, they can do without. You know, when it comes down to we need shelter, we need food, and we need each other. You know, and and. Beyond that, it's all icing, and some of that icing we can do without. And and if we do without enough of it, maybe not everybody has to work, or maybe mom doesn't have to work two or three jobs. You know, because uh, yes. that's another issue in our society right now is that you know that you can't get a career job. All you can get is an hourly job that they pay you part time for, so they don't have to pay you benefits. And so you end up getting two or three jobs. You're still working fifty hours a week. Uh, in three different places and not getting any benefits. And some parents may say, you know what? We don't got to do that anymore. You yeah. I, yeah. 
I want to be with my kids. A shift in our values a little bit. Of course, the flip side is after having been locked down with your kids and having to be, you know, uh, you know, not only be mom and dad, but also be, you know, teacher. Um, they may go, I can't wait to go back to work and get these kids in school. <laughs> and, I think <laughs> and I think there's a few people out there feeling that way, too. It's like, oh, please, please. I well, love my but- kids, but this is enough. Yes. Well, and 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 when the kid when they're back in school, school like when they're physically in the school, then then that frustration is is mitigated because oh they're back at school. Right. Yeah. So you know. I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see mm-hmm. what normal looks like when this is done. Yeah, I don't think we're going back to the same. I think there will be pe- some people making different choices. There will be some people who go back to the same choice and say, yeah, that's that's I can't wait to get back to work. But there's also going to be some who are going to go, you know what? I like parenting. I like spending time with my kids and and we can live more cheaply. And so how about I don't go back to work? And I can see that happening. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, have you heard about this wall of moms up in Portland? I have not. So these women are trying to... Um, in their minds, protect the uh, protesters from the evil police department, and um, or the secret police department, or the secret yes, or the yeah the federal. Although I don't know that they're secret. Now I'm hearing that those reports that they were not that they were marked not marked and that they weren't telling people and they were holding that they were that they were federal um, agents and all of that. Yeah, that that it's that 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 wasn't entirely true. Uh-huh. So, um, uh, what these women have are locking arms. And um, they're, they're creating a wall of moms to protect the protesters. Now, here's the thing about Portland. I, I really, it bothers me that they call these, these anarchist uh, protesters. These are, not, these are not protesters. They're lighting buildings on fire. That's why the feds are there. Um, and so, you know, if you, are, if you are wreaking havoc, and yes, it is violence when you, uh, when you burn down a building or when you throw a Molotov cocktail or you do something, that's violent. Um, and so, you know, I, I think these people are misguided. They turn the police into the bad guys. No, it's the one who is, who is destroying property. Those, mm-hmm. those people, those people are the bad guys. So, um, the wall of moms was formed around two weeks ago, um, by Portland mother, Beverly Barnum, who rallied a few dozen other moms via social media after seeing videos of federal agents putting protesters in unmarked vehicles. Um, and, uh. Yeah, I, I just, I think these women are delusional and idiotic and misguided. Yeah, you know, and it's, it's so hard to know what's really going on. I mean, famously, uh, this last week, and he, he made some news outside of just his show, John Oliver, on This Week Tonight, uh, showed a clip of uh, from from Fox News talking about what was going on in in uh, Portland and and references they were making to firebombing a building and he said it was a bottle rocket that that uh, went astray and hit a building and they had it out in minutes it wasn't like a firebombing nobody threw a Molotov cocktail and he listed 15 uh, heinous uh, acts of violence uh, scrolling behind him and he said and he said if you and he actually slowed it down and let you look at everything that was scrolling behind him and 11 of the 15 things were graffiti which I don't know that I would put that up there with an act of violence, but um, but you know, so so the the sometimes the language doesn't match the the reality well, either. I I don't watch Fox News. 
I don't watch Fox News. Uh-huh. I don't have Fox News. And so I, 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 I think that if you're out there destroying property night after night after night, that you're, that you're creating an, an atmosphere of fear. I agree. I don't disagree with that. What I'm questioning is, are they really destroying property or is that again, you know, a couple uh, a week ago or a week ago or even a few days ago, we thought that there was, you know, unmarked feds out there rounding people up. But now that seems to be fake. Is there really property being destroyed or are these people actually really protesting and being accused of that so that they can be rounded up? I I don't know. That's all I'm saying. Gotcha. Gotcha. You know, well, I just don't know, and I don't know what to trust anymore because I, it, you know, the, what what you you used to tune in Cronkite, right? Walter Cronkite will tell you what's happening, and you go, okay, Walt says that's what's happening in the world. That's probably what's happening in the world. Now, I just don't have anybody like that that I would say, yeah, okay, if he says it, it must be true. I really don't. It's all just, you know. We find too often that the things that seem like the most reasonable things even sometimes turn out to be complete lies. You know, how to win friends and influence people is a lie. He never met anybody. He didn't win any friends and he didn't influence people. But he made a lot of money selling a book. Are you serious? Yeah. Carnegie? Wasn't that Carnegie? Yeah, Dale Carnegie. He actually never uh, met some of the wealthy people that he talked about in his book. He uh, he uh, made it up, basically. Wow. Well, I knew that Think and Grow Rich was a scam. Yeah. Uh, Napoleon Hill was a hustler. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm conflating the two. Think and Grow Rich is the one I'm thinking of. Mr. Carnegie, I apologize. He passed in 1955. And, and, and to he and his descendants, I apologize. Because he was one of those wealthy people. I mean, Carnegie was fabulously wealthy. Dale Carnegie is not related to the Carnegie family. The Carnegie family, and that's how they pronounce it in Pennsylvania. The like the um, the the, uh, the 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 family that that he uh, put all the dimes and the yeah he's he's this uh, Dale Carnegie, the guy who wrote the uh, corporate training and salesmanship and self improvement books, yeah. is is not related to the. Carnegie family that was multi-millionaires. Isn't that interesting? He certainly got rich off their name, though. Yeah, well, it's his <laughs> name, too. Um, actually, I think he spells it differently, too. Ah. Well, it looks like I've never paid that much attention. <laughs> yeah, because, like, the, the family that endowed uh, Carnegie Mellon University. Yes. Um, different family. So, anywho... Um, uh, yeah, I have to, you know, the news coming out of Portland, and I don't trust our news media, and so the news coming out of Portland, which is very much left-leaning, is it's all about the bad feds who are there, um, and, you know, standing up to Trump, and we hate Trump, and all this stuff, um, and so, you know, if I were a business owner in Portland, and my stuff was getting spray-painted and vandalized every night, I'd be pretty upset about it. You know? Oh, I would I would be, too. I, I mean, I'm not saying that, that you know, spray-painting isn't a you know on somebody's business is not a a um uh and a a you break it's a crime you're you know you're you're defacing public. but i wouldn't necessarily call it violence against people you know it's it's a little bit different um i think it's inappropriate if you're protesting to damage people's property i think it's wrong um, but I think that that's not the same as, you know, like firebombing their store or breaking it and stealing all their tennis shoes um, like those bozos were doing down in Huntington Beach when they had their 
uh, and, and in L.A., um, you know, a month ago. So yeah. there's just a whole bunch of people using uh, the the uh, protest as an opportunity to behave really, really badly and and, you know, thinking that they can um, um, enrich themselves in some way. And, you know, it's 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 sad to think that there's people out there trying to take advantage of of others when when the people who are genuinely protesting are trying to make a point. And and I think, you know, they've made that point and they continue to make that point. And hopefully, you know, the, the problem is, is that you make a point and everybody goes, OK, point made. And then they move on and everything's the same as it was before. And so, uh, you know, you need somebody to keep saying, well, wait a minute. We, we didn't actually do anything other than say there's a problem. We need to now actually work to fix that. And there's been some groups trying to talk about that. But um, but they keep being uh, buried in the news underneath the news of, you know, naked people burning buildings in Portland. Right. Right. So uh, on to closer news, closer to home, this, this is just breaking news as of four minutes ago. The Orange County Board of Education is going to sue Governor Newsom um, as it seeks the full reopening of schools. So um, uh, two weeks ago, the Orange County, this is according to the Orange County Register, uh, the Orange County Board of Education gained national attention when it endorsed reopening public schools without social distancing or face masks. Now the board plans to file a lawsuit against the governor um, uh, and the uh, state's public health officer, Sonia Y. Angel or Angel or however she pronounces her name, um, is asking that the state order be set aside and, and have most schools opening online, uh, that have most, that the state order to be set aside that has the, have the most schools opening online in the fall. Um, they're, they're, they're want, they want in-person teaching and a resumption of campus activities. The, bo- the, vo- the board voted four to nothing during a closed session on Tuesday to file that lawsuit. Hmm. So, wow. Yeah. Okay, now this is the, is, is the Orange County Department of Education? Orange County Board of Education. Board so of in Education. Every, in every county... Right. So in this is not an actual this, school district. This is the board that sits above that at the county level. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm just trying to clarify who the entity is because I have a vested interest in in Orange County and and schools being open. You know, so I, I have a little bit of bias there because if You're they like, open, <laughs> I can have a pool to run my program in and have kids back in the water. Um, yes. You know, um, but yeah. So I mean. I so think the decision calling... should be made at the local at the local level. Frankly, I, I really do yes. because each area is different, and this is a it's you can't put a blanket over uh, you know a, an area as big as the state of California and say you know and now the governor is saying he's doing it by county, you know, and he put yes. the well, criteria together. Well, yeah, and this is a county say, pushing back and saying no, um, we're going to do it our way, and yeah. they're saying they're making it a civil rights question. So. They're saying because, you know, Orange County has some school districts like Santa Ana, which is very heavily immigrant and low income, where um, families don't have child care. Um, you know, back to this question of, of you know, taking mm-hmm. care of kids and they're not able to work and they they don't um, they may not be educated themselves. They may not. You know, so for them to fill in the gaps with their children's education is asking them to do something that they cannot do. And so um, in order to keep the children educated more than provide childcare, but to keep the children moving forward educationally so mm-hmm. they don't fall horribly behind the schools need to be physically open 
And that's the argument that they're making. And so it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, there's 27 school districts in the count in Orange County. That seems like an awful lot. I didn't realize there were that many that they were broken up that much. Some of them must be really small. Yeah. Well, and I mean the county's very populated too, so there's a lot of people in Orange County. So I get it, but um, yeah. Now that doesn't mean that that. What the, what they're doing is they're basically fighting for the right for those 27 school districts to make up their own mind. So each district yes. can make up their mind and do what they want to do based yes. on their area and their area's needs, which I think makes sense. You know, that's why we have local control over schools. It's not mandated by the federal government or by the state. Uh, it's locally controlled for a reason, and and we should let those local uh, local people, you know, make their decisions. They should. They that's what they're there for. And indeed. Um, I would be very curious to see, and I don't know off the top of my head, you know, when the government, when the governor said that, you know, these counties need to start online and these other counties can start, you know, if they want to in classrooms, he put together a criteria, you know, it had to be X percent of this for a certain number of days and number of positives. And I don't remember those criteria, but I would be curious to see how, where Orange County sits in relation to that criteria. And are they, are they close? Or are they really bad? Or, or more to the point, within each of the different school districts, is certain areas close and others not? I mean, there might be some areas like, you know, I mean, San Bernardino County and Riverside County uh, in particular, Orange County less so, but they're, they're, they're big, big areas, you know? Um, yes. There could be uh, a school district that's, you know, out by the Arizona border that, that, that is fine. There's no problems there. There could be other places or somewhere in between, you know? Um, uh, you know, there are counties down uh, near the Mexican border that are are being overwhelmed, that hospitals are, are having, you know, problems providing beds for people who need uh, need that. And, and, you know, in those areas, maybe we shouldn't be going back to school. But in other areas, it might be perfect sense. And, and why have the, the impact on the society as a whole of locking parents into their house? They can't go back to work if they've got young kids. You know, yes, it, or, or they go back to work, leave young kids by themselves or try to then put a whole bunch of young kids together with one person who's staying home, who's not ready to go back to work as a as a child care person, putting them all together, because that's going to help them not all share a bunch of germs. Kids share germs all the time. You know, how many childhood diseases are there that, you know, anybody who teaches kids knows every fall you you end up having a bunch of colds. Y- you do because they bring them into your classroom because they are all there. You know, they all talk and sneeze and cough and touch each other and, and giggle and tickle. And, you know, I mean, that's what kids do. That's what kids do. Kids being kids. Yeah. And there's actually a meme going around that's pretty funny that says, you know, anybody thinks that kids will social distance doesn't know children. Anybody who thinks that kids won't lick their hands and chase other kids yelling Corona, Corona, Corona doesn't know children. Yeah. <laughs> children eat poop. I mean, come on. Yeah, this, they this eat is, dirt. They eat they, all they, kinds of craziness. They, they don't have any common sense. So why on earth are we pretending that they do? So um, I just shared a uh, an article that I found that I thought was kind of interesting. The uh, researchers in, in – it has not been peer-reviewed yet, but there's been two separate studies that found the same thing, that there are basically uh, six different varieties of coronavirus out there. And they're in two different clusters. One cluster has less severe uh, symptoms. The other has more severe symptoms. And 
each different variety seems to have different symptoms that present themselves more severely and more and, and earlier. And that based on those symptoms, you can know whether you have a more severe ver, uh, version versus a less severe version. And, and from there, you can um, uh, take action earlier on some of the ones that are more severe. And we can start cutting down on some of the more severe cases by uh, knowing to take action quicker. So, like, when you, first, when you first get sick, if you have a flu-like feeling with no fever, headache, loss of smell, muscle aches, cough, sore throat, you know, a little bit of chest pain maybe, but no fever, that's like the mildest version, and you're probably going to be fine. If you have flu-like with a fever, um, and maybe a little bit of a loss of appetite, that's the second one, and that's, that's also in the, in the less deadly one. And then the last one is gastrointestinal. If you get diarrhea, you're probably okay. Okay. Now we go into the four, five, and six where it's more severe. Now you'll still have some of these other symptoms, but fatigue becomes very noticeable. You're just exhausted. Now, yes, you're a parent and you have kids at home, so that's how you are all the time. I get it. But um, but fatigue is a major hallmark of the fourth variety and that you should take action then that you maybe need to talk to your doctor and say hey I'm you know get me tested let's let's start treating this and then number five is uh is severe level two is confusion so you're like scatterbrained you're not like thinking straight it's affecting the way you're processing and that's and then the most severe level three is when early on within a day or two of noticing that you're not right you have abdominal and respiratory issues, shortness of breath, diarrhea, sharp abdominal pain. Huh. So now it would be hard for some people to differentiate shortness of breath, diarrhea, and, and abdominal pain from number three, which was diarrhea. Okay. But but diarrhea diarrhea doesn't usually bring shortness of breath. Right. And and sharp abdominal pain versus just the pressure of you're going to explode. Um, yeah, the, the discomfort. Right. I mean, it's never comfortable. Um, let's be real. But anyway, I just thought it was interesting <laughs> that they broke it down into not only six different types, but also six different um, uh, sets of symptoms that have emphasis in different areas so that you can almost uh, get a, a read on what variety of the coronavirus of COVID-19 that you have. And therefore, you know, if it's one of the more severe ones, start taking more action more quickly to make sure that you are okay. Um, and and we're talking several thousand people in each of the two studies, and they're in the process of being peer-reviewed now, but they found the, interest, the, the, the data in two different studies came up with the, basically the same breakdown. And so um, they said researchers found 1.5% of the people with cluster 1 and 4.4% of the people in cluster 2 and 3.3% of, of 3 required breathing support. Whereas in the in in four five and six it was eight point six nine point nine and nineteen point eight. Wow! So that's that second uh, 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 group of people or the second cluster of three, three um, were like double, if not three or four times the likelihood of needing needing breathing support and hospitalization. So have they have they? Um uh, looked at where these different strains are because it sounds like that what hit New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut is mo it's much more severe than what has hit California or some of the other places. 
Um, and I wonder if, if that's why they've seen substantially more deaths, because th those three states together have the have the most deaths um, from coronavirus, mm -hmm. and and it happened quickly. I mean, people were just dropping. Yeah. And so, you know, is it is it because they had that different strain? And, and they may have looked at that. It's not in this article, so I don't know if that that information has been collected. You would assume that you know when they're sitting down and looking at this stuff that they are looking at geolocation as well to say, hey, maybe these strains are more um, prevalent in one area or another. The other thing that's a little scary is. If they're finding out, you know, these distinct different types of the virus um, appearing in clusters is you may have uh, had, you know, say type one and and recovered. That doesn't necessarily mean that you have any kind of protection against catching type five. Yikes. Right. So yeah. and it also means that they need to make sure that when they're trying to build a um, an antivirus. Uh, that they look at all different types, that they're not just building a, a immunization for one variety and finding out that there are other varieties out there that then we're not protecting ourselves from. Well, and are these completely different or are they differently mutated from the same source? Yeah. Because, you know, by that, because if, it, if it's just, you know, they, there was an original coronavirus and these are mutations, there's an infinite mm -hmm. number of mutations that can happen theoretically right Abs absolutely and, and early on i had read articles saying that even early on there was two different um uh variants out there going around and this is the first time i've, I've read that there's now six that they've identified um you know and what does that mean you know next you know in the next six to 12 months are there going to be 12 different variants or 15 different variants you know um you know, that can get away, the disease can get away from us that way as well. It'll end up being like the the uh, seasonal flu, right? Where there's a different variant coming out all the time. Yes. If if we don't, you know, since this is new and novel, if there's only six variants right now, and we can find a way to to give ourselves immunizations for these six, we might be able to knock it out, and it doesn't matter if it, you know if it uh, it won't then have an opportunity to continue to replicate and change. But uh, <laughs> the thing I, about it, though, we don't lock down for the flu. You know how? Yeah. You know, I, we can't. We cannot spend the rest of our lives cowering at home because of a virus. Right. Right. Well, and and especially if you know most of the cases are variants one, two, and three, which means that your likelihood of ending up, you know, in a hospital are relatively low. You know, yeah. you know, how much of the population is actually getting that that variants four, five and six, especially six, where it was like 20 percent chance that you're going to end up on, on requiring breathing apparatus. Um, that's scary. That is scary. You know? um, but and, you know, at least they're helping. We're adding to the information. You know, we just keep adding to the information. It's, it's interesting to say that, you know, if you feel shortness of breath you're ha and you're having stomach issues simultaneously, then, you know, you may have the worst version of this and don't waste time, you know, get get care now. Um, yep. Don't wait till it's to till it's, you know, uh, till it's too late and you're laying at home gasping for breath. Because, I mean, you go from from feeling fine to feeling this way to to, you know, not being able to breathe inside of a week. Um, it's you've got to. You know, don't hesitate. Yeah. <laughs> if you if you have anything like that, don't don't think, oh, I'm going to power through, people. No. Mm -mm. Nope.
So with that, we are out of time. Oh, my gosh. We went long. All right. So thank you so much for joining us on Back from the Brink. We're here weekdays following our radio show on KCAA Radio in San Bernardino. Uh, I'm Todd Brinker. I'm Aaron Brinker. Have a great day, everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you.